carrots, curry carrots, curry carrots. We got some curry carrots in my garden. Tell me, are you listening to? Hello, welcome to another episode of Career Carrots, your favorite podcast about careers. Just want to give a shout out to Missy D again for providing us with a wonderful customized uh, podcast intro. My name is Rob Kim. I am bringing the career professional perspective, and I am currently a career strategist in the Faculty of Land and Food Systems at UBC. Hi, everyone. My name is Elena, and I'm here to bring the student perspective to this podcast. And I'm also currently a third year dietetics student here in LFS, and I'm also a UBC LFS mentorship program work learn student. And before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that we have the privilege to be here on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of the Musqueam people. So, Rob, how are you doing? Doing pretty well. How about you? Pretty well as well. Um, I guess I'm just wondering what's up in the Kim household these days. Oh, you know, actually one thing that's been happening quite a bit. Um, I So my children have two children uh, and they've been really asking about having a pet. Um, we don't have any pets for a lot of reasons. Um, I mm-hmm. The biggest reason is I know I have to take care of it the most. It was all the responsibility fall on me and I can barely take care of myself. Uh, but yeah, they've been really <laughs> kind of like, you know, going through a list of like pets, like can we have a cat, a hamster. So um, mm. that's a big kind of topic of discussion at home. And I just trying to like shunt the conversation elsewhere. Right. So we don't like hit that topic. Um, but uh, I, I know you actually have two cats uh, and I know a little bit about them, but Again, what are their names and what type of cats are they? Yes. So I have two cats at home and a fish. Um, I don't really count the fish, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Count the fish. Sorry. But I have one cat. His name is Blue and he's a ragdoll cat. Sorry, what was that? A ragdoll cat. A ragdoll cat. Yes. What Um, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a weird name, but I believe the breed he's basically like a really white fluffy cat with some brown and blue eyes. Um, And they're called ragdolls because when you hold them or like pick them up, they just like kind of melt into your arms, like a ragdoll would. Um, So they're like a real life, like cat stuffy in many ways. Basically. Yeah. That's so cute. Um, And it's super dog. Like Um, really, really attached to my dad. So, yeah. And then my second cat, her name is Maple and she's a calico cat just from the SPCA. So how old are those are my cats? Um, Maple is around eight and then blue is like three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did you have any pets growing up, Rob? Uh, We had a few, like we had some dogs. I don't remember uh, because I was really (laughs) young, like, we had a poodle and a German shepherd that I've only seen pictures of. Oh, wow. Um, and then we went through like a hamster phase. Actually, we had really bad luck. And I shouldn't say like Ooh. a lot of animals died under watch. So like we had a, two hamsters, they died. We had gerbils, they died. We had a budgie, it died. We had a oh, parakeet, it died. And, and, you know, like they didn't last too long. And my sister, I think, went through about six rabbits. They all died. Oh, Actually, one escaped. Um, uh-huh. The best uh-huh. one. And I think she just started naming them like 
either it was like Flopsy one or Flopsy two oh, or Sniffles no. one. And, and then I just recall like she'd come inside and be kind of crying. It seemed like every week because the rat, <gasps> the rabbit was dead or something like that. So, um, and then, but my all-time favorite, we had a Persian cat um, name was Tigger. And so oh. for a few years, and, but I haven't had any pen, pets since actually. So that would have been like a long time ago. Like I think grade seven or eight was the last time we ha- had pets. Oh man. Yeah. That's a long time ago. Um, I'd be a little nervous to allow you guys to have pets at this point. Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> part of why I don't want to have pets. I don't want that response, that life life responsibility in my hands. Right. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so for the challenge for today, how would you connect having pets to careers? <laughs> pets to careers. It's a good one. Um, well, I guess, you know, pets are like careers, right? Like early on as a child, you, you're kind of, um, whatever pet you want is whatever you're exposed to. Right. And so, you know, you're at school, you see a dog, you're like, I want that dog. Right. you kind of don't know better. Uh, so again, you're limited by what you see and, um, you don't really think too much more into it. Right. You're just like, Oh, that rabbit's cute or that cat's cute. I want that. Uh, and then as you get older, you start seeing more types of animals and you start realizing, um, the different types of pets that are out there. And also like the characteristics that you might want, like a large animal, small, I, you know, someone who's easy to take care of, et cetera, et cetera, which means like you actually start doing a little bit of research, right. Combined with your previous experiences living with a pet. I'm sure Elena, you did some research probably with a ragdoll cat, right? Yeah. Yeah. So my family wanted, we basically wanted a dog, but in cat form. Mm. And so that was one of the main things that drew us to getting a ragdoll. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that's careers, right? Like you're, you get a better understanding of pre from the previous pets you've owned, what sort of things that you want or even desire, like, and even knowing what you don't want is also really important. Right. So I think, when you take that idea and that research, and then you then combine your previous experiences living with the pet with the new experience of that new pet, I think that's actually career development right there for you. Yeah, I think that was a super good way of connecting pets to careers. So prophecy you, Rob. Yeah, I was actually surprised I pulled that one off. So um, that's great. Um so we're going to get into a kind of a little new segment. We're going to be, uh, we call it the community garden. And so we're going to switch over to that where we're bringing in another student uh, who's going to share a little bit of their own kind of career experiences uh, at UBC. And uh, we'll get into that session next. So we have Oceana from the Applied Animal Biology major. We're really fortunate to have her um, kind of join us today, share some of her student perspectives, and also um, really fortunate that she gets to share a little bit of her perspective as an Indigenous student um, here at UBC and in LFS. And Oceana, since you're in applied animal biology, let's start off with an easy question. What's your favorite animal? Or maybe that's a hard question. Well, actually, that's quite a bit difficult for me, considering I have kept, I think, almost 10 different species of animals in my life, and I've loved each almost equally. 
Okay, what would your favorite of that 10 be? I definitely have to say my chinchillas. They, I had a really cute chinchilla named Arlo who was very small and black and he was the most fluffiest creature and loved to cuddle me and go right up to my neck and sit there and bury himself in my hair. And he was so lovely, but um, he passed away sadly. And I currently have two new chinchillas who fell in love with each other, but are super crazy. Oh, chinchillas. They are probably the softest animal I've ever like petted there. What I want to know is where do you get a chinchilla? Um, Currently, there's quite a few breeders here in the Lower Mainland, but in Alberta, there's a pet shop that gets them directly from a breeder in the States called Petland that you can just pick up like a hamster. Are they expensive? Incredibly so. I think they're around $200 each. So hint, Elena, as a gift uh, for our wrap-up as your work, the Work Learn student for me, maybe you should consider buying me a chinchilla. Just a little I hint. think you should buy me a chinchilla. That's Very really cool. Very fascinating. Yeah. You said you said you had 10 animals. Uh, can me and Elena guess one each to see sure. if we can guess? You go first, Elena. Cat. <laughs> I've actually never owned a cat. <gasps> My whole family is allergic. Oh, really? Okay. Interesting. Dog. Yes. <laughs> it's a broad dog cat. <laughs> Of course, we've had dogs. We currently, we used to have chow chows. Um, my parents actually had seven at one point. But oh right goodness. now, we have um, a little Havanese slash Maltese named Lola. But she is not like any dog I've ever met before. She's quite human-like. She gets jealous if my parents show each other affection and starts jumping on them mad. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Well, thank you for telling us so much about your pets, Oceana. Um, I've had the pleasure of knowing you for just a little bit this year. Um, and I know that you're the Alphast Indigenous Outreach Coordinator. Um, and so I was wondering if you wanted to tell us a little bit more about that role and maybe one of your favorite things that you've done to support Indigenous students in this role. Uh, definitely. I'd have to say, my favorite thing I've done so far is participating and running the CEDAR program during the summer. The CEDAR program is targeted towards Indigenous youth in the Lower Mainland, but because last year it was able to do it online, we were able to, well, I specifically was able to contact my own Indigenous community who's up north in Alberta and invite their Indigenous youth members to come and participate. And so because of this, I actually got to have my youngest cousin, uh, her name's Lily. I think she's around eight or nine, and my brother, Xavius, who's 10 years old. And it was super wonderful being able to have people that are so close to me participate in a program at UBC that usually wouldn't be an opportunity. And one of the favorite things I got to see them do was they, one of the um, programmers brought in these Petri dishes and the students were able to take the petri dishes and rub their hands all over it and watch the bacteria grow over like a week's time. And it was so gross, but my youngest brother was so excited. He kept showing me the progress photos of this giant blob of bacteria that he got off his door handle. And now I'm definitely never touching his door handle again. <laughs> so gross. And, and can you um, 
remind me the Cedar Camp. That is a collaboration between the Faculty of Science and um, the Faculty of Land and Food Systems. Is am I missing someone else? Um, it's the faculty. Yeah, it is the Faculty of Science and Land and Food Systems. It's specifically targeted towards like the umbrella of STEM altogether. And so we don't necessarily talk about LFS or the science programs too much during the camp because it's targeted towards such a young audience, but just to get them interested in STEM to potentially consider university in the future due to the fact that um, Indigenous communities currently have a bit of um, a rocky relationship with universities because of what's happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And typically how many students, I mean, how many campers do you have in the summer? Um, in years, in the past years, we've had approximately, I think, 30, but last year due to it being online was about 15. Yeah, I love the fact that you're able to take that online, which, you know, is not the best sometimes, but you were able to see like kind of like the positives in that, right? And there's the in terms of access. So uh, I attended uh, one in person a couple of years back when Joel Lyman was running it and just a wonderful atmosphere and community to see all these children running around joel would always look very like tired right because he's dealing with all these children uh and there's a lot of work and uh, again it was really cool to see that work and so a really neat community outreach that you get to do what's something you've learned this year in in this role um i have to say something i've learned is that there's a lot of things in lfs that i wish could be done regarding indigeneity and so me and my supervisor have actually discussed and created a jam board on Google, all these different um, initiatives and ideas I have. And so a lot of these things won't be able to be something I can pursue right away. But one little thing that I'm currently doing is I'm creating a sharing circle for LFS Indigenous students to come in and talk about their um, experiences and hardships that they've had just being a student in LFS and at UBC, but I'm making Bannock for it myself, which I'm super excited for. I've done it before and it's the recipe that my gran used to do. And so I'll be bringing that in with like jam and tea. And I think it'll be a really fun time because I've never been able to connect to other LFS Indigenous students like this before. That sounds really cool, Oceana. I'm glad to hear that you're doing so much to help with that. Um, yeah, we actually made Bannock in my FNH 340 lab. So that's really cool. How come you um, didn't give me any? That's like, what, what's going on here? Like, no Bannock for me. You need to come to the FNH building. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, so, Oceana, I had a question um, that maybe some other students may be wondering. Um, what would you say to a student to encourage them on how to be an ally for Indigenous students? Um, that's a really complicated question, but I think the best thing to do is try to self-educate yourself before making any assumptions about Indigenous students. There is a lot of misconceptions that go around currently, and uh, one off the top of my head is that Indigenous students get free tuition. It's not true, and it's actually connected to a very complex history that Indigenous people have with the government. And so being able to just educate yourself, and there's plenty of resources that UBC actually has on their website, would probably be one of the best first steps to be an ally. So along that regard, I mean, you're talking about, again, offering up 
for students how they can get educated. And so now if I speak about myself as a career educator, you know, what is one or two things that I could do better or my colleagues could do better to support Indigenous students when it comes to career? Um, uh, one thing that comes to the top of my head immediately is just acknowledging that there is sometimes hardship and stigma about just being Indigenous and like worth ethics. So, I mean, there is no right way to help support an Indigenous person. And I think things that would apply to anybody else equally applies to them. But I know that certain things like stigmatization can make it really hard to um, be able to put yourself out there. Yeah, I, I really like your answer. And I just also want to acknowledge just even in the context of this conversation where, again, when you're in a minority group and someone like yourself, Oceana, who um, is actually very passionate to educate people, the way that questions are even asked of us, right? It's like this almost like in many ways, the minority groups have to do that heavy lifting, the burden. Like I recognize the way that we're even asking these two questions in many ways we're trying to be inclusive, but also it, it it's exclusive in some ways too, right? Like, cause you're, you're, you said it right. You're like, well, you just, there's still students, right. And, and, and they, they need different things. I mean, everyone needs different things. So, um, but I just appreciate that you're able to uh, and comfortable for us to ask questions in that way. Cause again, thinking of our listeners thinking about like, Oh yeah, what can I do? And how can I be better allies? It's still um, these things that I know some people are thinking because they do want to, uh, do better. So I just appreciate that you're open to us asking questions that way. Um, one, one last thing is, you know, for yourself, again, just hearing your perspectives again, as an Indigenous student, what were things that you realized from, I guess it's like from networking or like, you know, your strategies to interview, like, is there anything that come to mind that you think would be just useful for anyone listening? I'd be interested to hear from your perspective. Well, one thing that I was taught really early on about um, networking was through my mother. And she told me that it was always just best to reach out, even if it's just your professors or some people that you know, that you think might be somebody untouchable, but to be able to create these connections. And I think one of the best examples I have of this that I did personally is that during my first year, I was really, really nervous coming to UBC, especially because I was moving away from my parents and coming to this new place. And so immediately when I first met my Indigenous academic advisor, um, Joel Lyman, during the summer, I felt like I really connected with him. And from there, I decided that I want to continue being able to talk to him on like a monthly basis. So for the entirety of my first year, I swear every single month I'd send him an email and be like, can we meet up? <laughs> and we would meet and I'd give him a rundown about what I'm doing academically, how's school going, just to have these casual conversations, even if there's nothing I necessarily needed. And it really helped create this um, connection and we got to know each other really, really well. And by the end of the year, he ended up bringing up this opportunity for the Indigenous Outreach Coordinator and told me all about it. And I honestly would have never known about the role, for one, because I didn't know that WorkLearn students existed. And having this connection, just being able to talk to him, revealed to me so many new things. And even if in the beginning, 
he was just like a friendly face for me to connect with. It ended up blossoming into this wonderful opportunity and a job that I really love. That's amazing. I think that's one of the things that I really like about LFS, how it's easy for us to connect with other staff and faculty to gain experience and opportunities when we put ourselves out there. So really interesting that we have similar experiences when it comes to that. And I think the last question that I have for you today is just what is the next thing you want to do in your current role or one of your dreams, something that you want to do in the future? Well, currently, I'm honestly not too sure how long I'm going to be in this role, but everything that I've learned from it, I'm going to be taking with me. And so an example of this is that I currently got invited to be on the EDI LFS working group and being able to see and learn about all these different initiatives that other people are doing has inspired me that even past when I'm done being Indigenous outreach coordinator to do these things on my own time and to push for more um, indigeneity in LFS. Sorry, what does EDI stand for? I mean, I know, but I just want to oh. ask. Yeah. <laughs> Equity, diversity, inclusion, and indigeneity. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up here, we just want to say thank you so much for, you know, giving a bit of your time and uh, a little bit of a s- slice of like what you're doing in your role. Uh, we're really appreciative of, again, that you ha- have the courage to actually um, share your perspectives as an Indigenous student. We know that uh, we need to hear those voices. But again, like I said earlier, sometimes it falls as a, like a burden to to people or like who's our go-to in, in, in many ways, or sometimes it can even get into tokenism, but I just, every interaction I've had with you, I just really appreciate um, the ways that you are able to bring me into these conversations and just um, again, your willingness to really share and help others on campus. So really grateful for um, what you're doing for UBC. And um, I want to end with, if you could, get an animal tomorrow so like size doesn't matter you know land like you know care just like if you could have an animal maybe this is bad then because now we're going to be talking maybe exactly but like what would that be like i've always wanted this animal honestly it would be a bit cheesy but i'd probably only just want my chinchilla arlo back (laughs) he was the best (laughs) chinchilla i've ever had Oh, and I miss him so much. Oh my goodness. I want to end on like some joy and like, like bringing all this like sad emotions back. That's, (laughs) that's so lovely. That's so powerful. Oh my goodness. Well, maybe you can share a photo with Arlo. I want to see a photo of Arlo sometime in the future, but thanks for coming today, Oceana. Thank you, Oceana. And I hope to see you around super soon. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a wonderful opportunity. So I just want to thank Oceana once again for joining us uh, in our little community garden segment. There was a lot of great things she shared. And so, Alina, what's kind of your takeaway from today's podcast? I think one of the things that really stood out to me from Oceana was her saying that her mom told her just to reach out. Um whenever you think there could be an opportunity, even if it's just to talk to people. I think that's really important to keep in mind. And it's really similar to what my dad would tell me. So that stuck in my mind. 
And also um, when it comes to being an ally for Indigenous students, ensuring that I'm consistently educating myself and being aware of any biases or anything that could potentially prevent me from being a good ally. Yeah, I mean, and, on, yeah. Oh, sorry. And on that part, you know, when you said that, it, you know, she actually demonstrated a really neat networking thing where, you know, she was just meeting Joel repeatedly, not thinking about a job, just wanting connection and identifying her as someone that um, was open to like having conversations with her. So it's just kind of neat to hear that organically happen. And there's a little bit of a fearlessness actually to her networking, which I quite admire. So you were going to I say. Agree. Oh, no, I was just going to ask you what your takeaway was from today's episode. Yeah, there's there's a lot there. I mean, I, I think similar to yours um, when I was hearing about that uh, when, you know, in her first year talking with Joel, that was something that was big for me. But, you know, again, it's just a mindful of how I support Indigenous students in uh, career development, uh, you know, hearing from a student uh, like Oceana, who's really open to uh talking about her experiences but then, i mean i like she's just like well you know we're students too right like you know like not trying to make it different but also recognize no i still have to do better to make sure that um you know we're representing uh um you know a minority really right so and how, mm-hmm. how can i do that so it's still really seeking out how i can do that best and you know in speaking with ocean today is just again a recognition reminder like i I, I can't do that by myself. I need to be able to do that and collaborate with others. So um, yeah, just moving forward, like just want to continue to really push myself to do uh, better um, with that in terms of my career work. And um, yeah, just a really, really great conversation. Uh, <laughs> the listeners won't be able, they, they weren't able to hear our uh, off camera conversation where we kept on asking her questions about her pets. It was just very fascinating. Uh, so once again, thanks Oceana. Um, okay, I'm gonna wrap up with this kind of little new game here. Uh, mm-hmm. So you, you know, you you can do it, right, Elena? So um, <laughs> the there's like a Twitter thing going around where it says like, you know, list the five famous people um, that you've either met or been kind of like in the same room, and one of them is not um, someone you've met. But I want to do a little kind of spin on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know we're both big concert go- goers. So yeah. I have a list of five concerts, four of which I have actually um, attended, mm-hmm. right? And one I have not. So you're going to try okay. to figure out which of these five, one of them, is the lie. Are you ready? Okay. I like that. As you're, ready you're as I can ju- be. You're about to jot this I, down. Yeah, okay. literally. Ready? And uh, here we go. Uh, number one, Alicia Keys. Okay. Number two, Adele. Number three, Aerosmith. Number four, Alas Morissette. Notice they're all A's right now. Yeah, I was going to say. I couldn't get another A one. Uh, and then the, uh, <laughs> the fifth one is Sarah McLaughlin. Okay. Wow. I don't know. They all sound like they're plausible. <laughs> like, I don't know. None of them are like, wow, no way. Yeah, maybe I should have gone with like nine inch nails or rage against them. <laughs> Cause I've seen them. I kind of want to go with Adele for some reason. Adele. Okay. Is that your final yeah. answer? 
I think so. It's wrong. You're wrong. Ugh. It's actually Alanis. Alanis Morissette. Oh, Alanis. my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You ought to know. You ought to know, Elena. You ought to know. Got to know. Okay. Okay. You're five. Okay. Um, first one is Selena Gomez. Second one is One Direction. Third one is BTS. Fourth one is Post Malone. And then the fifth one is the 1975. Oh, I like I feel like mine had really no theme compared to yours. Well, mine didn't really have the theme, just four A's and an S. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, okay. I think you've seen Post Malone because I know Post Malone came to Vancouver a, a while ago. Uh, I feel like you've seen One Direction because you're like a huge. <laughs> Jonas Brothers fan. I believe you're a One Direction fan. 1975, I believe you've seen too. Now, it just comes down to Selena Gomez and BTS. And I think it's BTS because they haven't been in Vancouver. BTS got pretty big, but then COVID kind of interrupted. So unless you like flew down somewhere, which is plausible, I'm going to go with BTS. Wow, right on. You're yeah. right. Cause I knew I knew I was taking a risk by saying BTS because I knew they hadn't been here. And I'm not even I'm sorry to any any armies out there, but BTS is not my group of choice. Yeah, I could see you like a big K-pop. Selena Selena Gomez fan. She was my first concert. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, pretty impressive. Um, like I don't even listen to all these bands and I I still yeah. it out. I was surprised that you guessed the 1975 and Post Malone for some reason. Well, it's 1975 has been in Vancouver a couple of times and Post Post Malone was pretty I just big. didn't think you would know them. <laughs> oh, I, I listened to 1975. Yeah. <gasps> really? Yeah. Post Malone. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't listen to high. I got nothing against him though. Well, thanks everyone again for listening to another nutritious edition of career carrots <laughs> we'll be back again with another person from the uh, that will join us in the community garden and again we want to thank uh, missy d uh, for contributing to this lovely careers carrots outro it's going to take us out now thanks everyone thank you bye we got some career carrots in my garden tell me are you listening